Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll check in with some local farmers and find out how the crops are coming along. Also, I'll chat with Steve Pratt. He's the Senior Manager of Transportation and Biofuel Policy at the Canadian Canola Growers Association. Up first in today's country comments, we'll hear from cereal specialist Ann Kirk. The latest farm news and market numbers, all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon, you're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba's Crop Diagnostic School is taking place this week in Carmen. I was there earlier in the week and caught up with Manitoba Agriculture Cereal Specialist Ann Kirk. We're talking about staging for plant growth regulators. So the two main plant growth regulators that people are using in Western Canada are Modus and Manipulator. Both have about the same ideal uh, plant application timing, which is that growth stage 30 to 32 with the Zadix scale. So that's just at the beginning of stem elongation to the second node stage. Just to expand on that, you had you know some students, um, yeah, a bit of a workshop there. I guess what were uh, what were they learning? Yeah, so we were uh, looking at seeing how you should appropriately, uh, you know, choose some plants in the field from a representative area. Um, when you are looking at your plants to determine if you're at the right stage, you'd be taking off the tillers, taking off the leaves, and then using um, a, a sharp knife to cut the stem open lengthwise to look at the position of the tillering node to see if there's a first or second node present and where the developing head is. So at growth stage 30, which is the beginning of stem elongation, you will have your tillering node present, which is at the base of the plant. Your first node would be present, but your first node would be less than one centimeter above the tillering node. Uh, so that would be the, the earliest of the ideal timing, and then the late end of the ideal timing would be growth stage 32, where you have your tillering node, your first node, and then your second node is at least two centimeters above your tillering node. And so how a wheat plant develops, um, you know, at the beginning of that uh, tillering stage, you would have the wheat plant, the wheat head developing in the stem, and it's getting pushed up the stem by those developing nodes and that um, lengthening internodes. And uh, finally, uh, also talked a bit about uh, seeding rates. Yeah, so we're looking at seeding rates in cereal crops. So based on some research that's been done at the diversification centers in Manitoba in the last few years, we looked at a range of seeding rates in wheat, oats, and barley and didn't see many significant differences in terms of actual yields. Uh, so just showing how the plant is able to compensate for those you know, poor plant stands and having a lot of space by really producing a lot of tillers and many more productive tillers and at that higher seeding rate. So there's a number of reasons why farmers would want to um, you know, may want to reseed a low uh, a crop with a low plant stand or may want to aim for a higher end of a target seeding rate. Uh, but this research is really just looking at, you know, if you accidentally have a low plant stand, whether it's drought, um, excess moisture, some fertilizer issues, some seed issues, when would you actually want to consider just leaving that lower plant stand in the ground? And what's your potential yield as a result of that? And finally, um, just give us a bit of an update on the cereal crops uh, across the province. How are things looking? Uh, yeah, the cereal crops are looking, I think they're looking good across the province. Uh, the earlier seeded cereal crops are obviously looking the best. Um, you know, emergence has been good because of all of the moisture. We are seeing some drowned out areas in fields that have had excess moisture or poor emergence in areas of fields with excess moisture. Um, but I think, you know, like all crops, there's a range of um, cereal crop uh, stand and quality across the province. That was Manitoba Agriculture Cereal Specialist Ann Kirk. She was one of the presenters earlier this week 
at the Manitoba Crop Diagnostic School taking place in Carmen. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. A pair of Manitobans have been named to the Canadian Agricultural Hall of Fame. For more than 30 years, Dr. Digvir J.S. has been the Canadian leader in agricultural research on the stored grain ecosystem, addressing the growing need of global food security by minimizing losses in stored grain. His research team at the University of Manitoba developed the concept for horizontal airflow drying of grain and the first 3D model. Also going into the Hall of Fame is Ashok Sarkar, With a career spanning more than 50 years, Sarkar dedicated his work to promoting the quality of Canadian wheat and grains to markets around the world. His career began at mills around the world, from India to Switzerland, and finally settling in Canada, where he joined the Canadian International Grains Institute, now Cereals Canada, in 1979. The 2022 induction ceremony will be held in November in Toronto. Stats Canada's latest crop acreage report pegs total canola acres at 21.4 million, down 4.7% from 2021. John Drieger is with Leftfield Commodity Research. That was pretty close to what the market was expecting. I, I think there was a pretty good uh, feeling that maybe that initial stat scan number was, was a little on the low side in terms of, of intentions. The survey was done from the middle of May to the middle of June, so, so potentially it didn't capture all of that. And I think there are some maybe adjustments coming potentially in Manitoba, but probably by and large around the margins. And so, you know, in many ways, I, I think seeing a bit of a bigger canola number from the initial expectations, but, but still down from last year, I, I think that probably falls into what, uh, what folks were thinking. Seeded canola area decreased 4.3% in Manitoba, falling to 3.3 million acres. And Manitoba's cereal crops are generally looking good, and Kirk is the province's cereal specialist. Cereal crops are looking, I think they're looking good across the province. Uh, the earlier seeded cereal crops are obviously looking the best. Um, you know, emergence has been good because of all of the moisture. We are seeing some drowned out areas in fields that have had excess moisture or poor emergence in areas of fields with excess moisture. Like all crops, there's a range of um, cereal crop uh, stand and quality across the province. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Ag Wire for Thursday, July 7th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from Steve Pratt, Senior Manager of Transportation and Biofuel Policy at the Canadian Canola Growers Association. After five years of regulatory development, the Canadian Canola Growers Association was pleased to see the final clean fuel regulations published yesterday. They'll come into effect July 1st of 2023. Steve Pratt is Senior Manager of Transportation and Biofuel Policy at the Canadian Canola Growers Association been a long time coming, um, multiple, like five, six years in development. Um, and, and what's great about the clean fuel regulation now is that for farmers, for the crushing industry, the canola crushing industry in Canada, for biofuel producers and everyone in that value chain, we now have uh, the rules of the game, if you will. So people can now, um, the, the rules are set and companies and uh, farmers and, and the, the fuel industry can figure out how they're going to comply with this and um, start to plan for, um, you know, grabbing some market share um, out of this. And for, from a farmer's perspective, this is great because it's another, uh, it's a piece of um, continental and domestic demand, um, which it, it all fits together, Corey, with the um, announcements made in the crushing sector in 2021 and with the um, oil and gas industry in 2021 and 2022 around renewable diesel investments. It's really a good news story. And the CFR in Canada was the linchpin that kind of 
to some degree binds us all together. And Steve, I guess just talk a bit more about uh, just the benefits of, of canola-based uh, biofuels and, and what that will mean for, uh, for greenhouse gas reduction. Sure, yeah. So um, canola-based biofuels, you know, there's a variety of um, uh, life cycle analysis tools that various governments and various jurisdictions use, and canola oil has a really great um, emissions reduction profile for feedstock in biofuels. And that's recognized in this new forthcoming Canadian regulation as well. So what that means for us is one of the reasons that um, canola in the prairies and, and the canola industry in general is very bullish about this is we've got, um, number one, that great carbon intensity reduction profile as a feedstock that goes into fuel, and diesel specifically. And secondly, we've got that ample supply coming from the various processing facilities across the West. So when a major refiner is looking to put biofuel feedstock and create a biofuel in their refinery, they're looking for consistency of supply, consistency of specification of that oil or that feedstock, and that's where canola can step up. And what will this mean for for canola farmers and uh, just the growth of the uh, canola processing sector in Western Canada? Yeah, no, it's another one of those kind of um, uh, pieces of the, the puzzle here, Corey. And really, I think what we see from from the farm perspective is that now there is one more domestic, um, ideally growing, stable demand pull for canola seed. And ideally that turns into more competitive bids. Um, so you can, at, at the crush facility, at the, uh, at the mainline um, bulk elevator, so you know, experience with biofuel policies um, in other jurisdictions around North America points to the fact that you know, it does provide that additional and basement floor, uh, if you will, of demand. Uh, which long run should be good for farmers. And if we see this mature, um, this regulation mature, um, and we increase our production, there is a uh, an outlet, a stable outlet for, uh, or a stable um, demand pull for for seed um, to be made into oil. And that that's all around a good thing because you know the canola industry has been working on the biofuel file for almost three decades now, and. Uh, this is the latest kind of incarnation from our federal government of a, of a regulation, and we just want to set the table to have the best, uh, to see farmers and, and, and Canadian agriculture succeed under this and play a part in the emission reductions aspirations of the government. All right, great. Uh, anything else to add here, Steve? Or? Um, just that uh, the regulation comes into effect July 1, 2023. It'll take a couple years for the market to kind of settle out, and, and I think if we talk in a couple years about this, Corey, we'll be able to give you more kind of specificity and some real numbers around what that, does that demand signal look like and, and how the market's shaking out because the, um, the oil and gas companies, the suppliers of fuel, they don't have, using biofuels is just one way to comply with this regulation. So it's very difficult to kind of peg out what that might look like, but we do see opportunity here for um, increased demand. That was Steve Pratt, Senior Manager of Transportation and Biofuel Policy at the Canadian Canola Growers Association. Protein Industries Canada announced another project yesterday. It'll involve creating a clean label soy protein for Canada's plant-based food and ingredient sector. Here to tell us more is Megan Gervais, Chief Technology Officer at Protein Industries Canada. We were excited today to announce that um, we've had three partners come together with Protein Industries Canada to um, fund development of a, a proprietary clean label soy protein processing method. So the partners are New Protein International, Huron Commodities, and Hensel Co-op's Animal Nutrition Division. And uh, tell us a little bit more about this uh, this processing method and uh, I guess some of the 
changes that will be happening there? Sure. So um, through this co-investment, we're um, working with New Protein International and the other partners um, to help them optimize and sort of test and refine a proprietary process, which will be hexane-free um, extraction from Canadian soybeans. And so they'll be looking to supply, you know, manufacturers and retailers and consumers with a non-GMO soy product with a clean label. Um, and so really targeting folks who are looking for um, a sustainable plant-based food and ingredient that comes, you know, with, with that non-hexane processing angle. And what will this mean? You know, what, what opportunities will open up uh, as a result of this? You know, it's an opportunity for Canadian soybeans to have perhaps a, a bigger role and be processed more actively in Canada um, and to have them processed with um, a non-hexane process as a sustainability metric to it as well. So looking at, you know, using a different type of, of solvent that is traditionally used and uh, helping to meet the growing demand for high-quality plant-based protein products, particularly those grown in Canada and, and processed here as well, which we always think is a great outcome. All right. Um, Megan, anything else to, to add here on today's announcement? Or? Uh, no, you know, we're, we're always excited to see new extraction technologies come online. And this is a, an example of a great project happening in Ontario where Canadian products will be processed here at home in Canada. So excited to have the, the partners come in and develop and evaluate the technology and, and see where it takes them in the longer term. That was Megan Gervais, Chief Technology Officer at Protein Industries Canada. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email to farmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time for a look at the farm calendar. Our annual Farmer Appreciation Lunch is back at the Plum Coulee Park, Tuesday, July 12th from 1130 until 1. Enter to win a Meridian Grain Max 2300 hopper bottom bin and more, including concrete from Mid-City Redimix for the bin pad, rebar and lumber for the pad forms from Parkside Home Building Center, bin pad prep work and finishing provided by the Concrete Edge. Sponsors this year include Comb Egg Services, DMM Energy, Sun Valley Tire and Winkler Co-op Egg. The Roland 4-H Museum is open throughout July and August. Hours are 1 to 4 p.m. Call 204-343-2061 for appointments or for more information. The Manitoba Crop Diagnostics School takes place this week in Carmen. The Suris River Watershed District is hosting its annual banquet today at the Hartney Community Hall. Tickets are $50. Seeds Canada is hosting its annual meeting July 11th to the 14th at the RBC Convention Centre in Winnipeg. Manitoba Organic Alliance is hosting two farm tours July 11th and 15th. Visit the MOA website for details. And the Manitoba Stampede and Exhibition takes place July 22nd to the 24th in Morris. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal, here on this Thursday afternoon. Farmers seem to be pleased with how the crops are progressing. Reporter Barry Lamb caught up with Verdon area farmer Darren Chapman. We've been all right on... uh... Amounts of rain, I guess we had a, a big amount there in early June, I guess. What was that? would have been about the 14th or just before the, the deadline, seeding deadline, I guess. We had sown a, whatever, five quarters of uh, oats for green feed, and then uh, three inches of rain came, and uh, those fields were awfully wet when we seeded them, so we probably lost 
just about half of that that's drowned out. But uh, that's uh, we're still sitting pretty good, I think, compared to a lot of areas. We've been on the lower end of the, the range, like in that inch range a lot of the times. So there's been a lot of areas that have had two and three plus, and, uh, yeah, that's never a good thing. How has emergence been, and how, how are crops looking overall? Um, we had that uh, dry stretch, I guess, that probably started mid-June or, or later June, I guess we'll say, and uh, the ground got to dry out and, and finally warm up, and then, uh, yeah, the crop started to grow, and uh, now, yeah, everything's looking really good. Just There's a lot of drowned out spots through the fields is all. And how has herbicide spraying been going? Um, just uh, the wheat's done. Canola, early canola, I guess, is done. We're just doing uh, barley here now. We should finish the barley tomorrow. And the oats will be after that. So, uh, And then the last, the later canola is coming, but it was slow into some heavier ground that just didn't like all that rain. It's not looking good. And hay and pastures, how are they looking? Well, the cattle are enjoying the pastures, that's for sure. you got to be careful when you're out checking the cattle. You don't run over anyone. It's so tall. Um Hay fields, we haven't seen uh, stands like that for a lot of years, but uh, we haven't had any good spring rains for so long either. You don't realize what a good spring rain does for the the pastures and the hay ground. Yeah, the hay ground's going to make up for last year, but it's still it's too little too late again. That was Verdon area farmer Darren Chapman chatting with reporter Barry Lamb. Earlier this morning, I caught up with Winkler area farmer Jack Freeze. Crops are looking pretty decent uh, with the uh, uh, decent rain that we've had this year. It's uh, come along very nicely. And um, I know you uh, grow a lot of corn. How's that crop looking? We uh, we had a three-inch rain across most of our corn here about two, a little better than two weeks ago. So we had a little bit of an issue there, and then we had some some uh, blowing earlier in the year, but uh, it's come around uh, real nice and it's uh, look, looking very good. What other crops did you have this year? We have canola, we have uh, soybeans, and some wheat. I guess for the canola, how's that looking? Uh, we had some uh, crusting and some uh, flea beetles and a little bit of blowing earlier on, so we actually reseeded uh, a 1,000 acres. Uh, but it is coming along uh, real nice now. It's starting to cabbage. Uh, the earlier stuff uh, is starting to bloom. So uh, it's, it's starting to come around. And uh, with the with the soybeans, um, are those starting to flower yet or, or not quite? Yes, we, we had some early flowers uh, appearing on some of the soybeans. The soybeans actually look really good this year. Uh, it's probably one of our, our better-looking uh, crops uh, that we've seen in recent years. But uh, really putting on a lot of foliage, they are uh, getting to be knee-high knee in a couple places. Any other insect issues? Um, any grasshoppers out there? Or? Yes, we have been spraying for grasshoppers in our uh, soybeans. A uh, couple fields, uh, trying to keep it at bay, but uh, just uh, scouting to make sure that, uh, uh, that we're uh, keeping them under control. Right. Uh, and I, I guess just going forward here, um, what are you looking for uh, in the forecast? Just, just lots of heat or... Yeah, they were talking heat. Uh, they had some more rain in the forecast. Uh, I see they've removed some of that. 
Uh, nice to get the rainfalls at the opportune times, and uh, next week would be another good time, I guess, to have that. We uh, we just finished uh, putting the fungicide on our wheat, so uh, now would be a good time. That was Jack Fraze, a farmer in the Winkler Reinfeld area. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. A crop diagnostic school is taking place this week in Carmen. The province's cereal specialist, Ann Kirk, talked about seeding rates. Based on some research that's been done at the diversification centres in Manitoba in the last few years, we looked at a range of seeding rates in wheat, oats and barley and didn't see many significant differences in terms of actual yields. Uh, so just showing how the plant is able to compensate for those you know, poor plant stands and having a lot of space by really producing a lot of tillers and many more productive tillers and at that higher seeding rate. She says for the most part, cereal crops across the province are looking good. And Stats Canada's latest crop acreage report pegs total wheat acres at 25.4 million, up 8.7% from 2021. That was led by spring wheat area, which rose 10.5% to 18.2 million acres, and higher Durham wheat area, which rose 8.6% to 6 million acres. John Drieger is with Leftfield Commodity Research. Certainly a, a big wheat number, and, and again, maybe not altogether, altogether shocking in some ways. Uh, you know, we... Uh, uh, in terms of, of Durham, uh, you know, that was a number that is, uh, uh, you know, down slightly from the initial estimate in March, but, but still a pretty good increase from last year. I mean, you know, Durham prices have been phenomenal uh, over the last year. And, and so to see farmers put a little more Durham in the ground over last year is, is, is not altogether shocking and, and also more spring wheat. And, and we had been hearing uh, that uh, spring wheat was finding more acres in the kind of leading into seeding and, and uh, during that seeding window. Uh, so the, the, the spring wheat number was a little higher than we anticipated. Total winter wheat acres decreased 12.7% to 1.2 million acres. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can meet us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.